been, man? I've been doing great. Um, in terms of health and family, everything is fine. In terms of like some little things that have to do with education, just like, like things that have to do with my papers. Oh, okay. That has been very upsetting. So it's just um, tiring if something. But in general, like aside from that, um, everything's been rather well. Um, do you do you heard that we had a small uh, what's an how do you call it? It's not an earthquake. Like buildings oh, didn't fall and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and I saw the memes. It's like when it's September, the earthquake starts. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, we had that a couple of like a week ago, I think. Or was it during this week? I think it was yeah. like a week ago. And um, <laughs> my wife and I were—I was actually taking classes. I was taking some hermeneutics class and then you know like in zoom you get this background that uh, you can put so nobody sees what's behind you oh, well, yeah. the, the professor was talking and then i don't know where everything started shake and he said like well the class is over and he's like take care <laughs> and he left and then obviously like all we saw was the background i am guessing that he got it first and then everybody started running around um we got down because we're in the second floor so we got down to the first floor and i still was connected in the zoom call so everybody was like, ah. <laughs> oh, like man. everyone gets to watch you get crushed <laughs> pretty much everybody was yelling and saying like giving indications and stuff and running around and after a couple of minutes everybody calmed down thanks to god like no no, no one actually got hurt or anything but it was hilarious though because everybody was still on the call <laughs> <laughs> especially the people that got connected on their cell phone those were the ones that were still on the phone and that was my case so yeah it was quite interesting and everybody's expecting one on September 19 did you hear that? what's that? did you hear that? everybody's expecting another one oh, on September no, I didn't, 19 I didn't hear All that right. so last year what happened was that we got an earthquake I don't remember when it was but like we got an earthquake I think it was the 6th I don't remember Six or seven. Yeah, it was a seven, actually. So we got the earthquake. Uh, and then after that, the night 19 of, of this month, we also got another one. But that one was stronger. So everybody's get, like hoping that it doesn't happen. But like everybody's kind of ready for it to happen on September 19. Um, I've never been in an earthquake before. Yeah, when I lived in El Salvador, we got them, but they were the, the smaller ones, like three and four. Um, nothing big, nothing too serious. Yeah, it's weird though. Like the first earthquake that I have, I have experienced, it's, it's a weird feeling because it's almost like you get very dizzy, like very, very dizzy, and like you cannot move because everything else is moving around you. And it's very hard to walk because obviously like the earth is just like going up and down, up and down. Yeah. So either like moving a little bit on circles. I don't remember what's the difference. There's a name for the name for the movements of the earth during an earthquake, but I don't know them. But like, it, it feels weird. Like you move around and everything's moving and you you know that you have to like keep walking, but you can feel it under your feet that things are moving. It's just messed. Like it gets you a little bit scared, especially because after, afterwards, you get all these cracks on houses like these small cracks and then you notice like, well, I really have to fix that or like, oh, yeah. I have to deal with that. Yeah, you'd Mostly, be paranoid that the house falls down next time. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So it leaves you, like, and afterwards, like after it ends, it leaves you this. So you're all like, ugh, like you still feel things are shaking. It's just weird. It's a weird feeling. Obviously, I have not experienced anything like really, really intense, like, like uh, the fall of San Andres with the rock. <laughs> that, that's just like apocalyptic, some kind of stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I haven't experienced something like really, really big. But just the little I have experienced, I was last year, I was in a third floor teaching a class and then it all started. So everybody had to go down and it was weird. But uh, yeah, it was strange, you know, like. Um, yeah, like there were pencils everywhere and like the lights were coming off. Uh, everybody was packing on their stairways because nobody was following any kind of instructions. So I had to like yell and scream instructions at everybody. So I started moving again. 
Uh, and then we finally made it down. And obviously, like, nothing else happened, but everybody was very scared. And there's always people going like, I'm fainting, I'm fainting. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's the only thing that I might do. If you're outside of the building, like, relax. Obviously, if you're yeah. getting, like, very scared and you're really fainting, well, you're not going to say that. You're just going to faint. But, um, yeah, I was outside. I was just talking to people and, like, everybody was fine. The last time it happened, like, this month, uh, every, like it was very late at night, so everybody was on their pajamas, and everybody was holding their puppies like that. <laughs> because in the street that I'm living, like um, everybody has puppies, right? Like everybody has some kind of dog or some kind yeah. of uh, pet. So everybody was holding their pets, and everybody was on PGs. It was weird, though. Yeah, I bet I bet the dogs get scared, right? Because they don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, they pretty much are just like. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's the apocalypse. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they get very intense. Uh, like, my dog was weird, though, because the dog that I have is deaf. She wouldn't hear anything. But I, I actually, now that I think about it, she didn't really, really react to it. She was just like, what? <laughs> so it's kind of weird. I don't know. Like, I didn't hurt much dogs barking or anything. You know, they can, they can kind of feel it. Yeah, um, I've heard that they do that. A lot of animals, especially birds, they can sense it and they feel it like um, when it's coming ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, my dog didn't actually help or anything. <laughs> she was just like, eh, I think she was sleeping. I don't remember because, yeah, like she was downstairs. So when we came down, she was already like walking around and stuff. But weird. Hmm, good question. If anything happens in the night scene, I'm going to pay a lot of attention to my dog <laughs> to see yeah. what's going on. Uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much what happened. And then this month has been pretty chill, like nothing out of the ordinary. There has been so much going on with Joe Biden. I know that we're not American, but we always talk about American politics. <laughs> yeah, because um, the U.S. is stuck right in between us, right? It's hard not to um, look down or up for for you. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and, and, and honestly, like I, I think people sometimes fail to recognize the importance that American international politics have for the rest of the world. Yeah, and I, like with all the stuff going on in Afghanistan right now, it's like a lot of people have been talking about the fall of America and uh, the decline of American um, power or yeah, the, yeah. End, the end of the American empire and whatnot. And I agree with that to some, to some degree, but you know, the U.S. is still massive and it has a lot of weight and a lot of influence especially uh for both of our countries like in canada and of mexico course, yeah yeah um, even if it falls internationally it's still regionally it's going to still be the united states yeah you know? yeah of course um I, I, and that would be interesting though because uh if actually the, the americans fall of grace <laughs> Uh, and become more of a regional power, something a little bit more like, I don't know, France. Well, yeah, yeah. perhaps not France, but you know what oh, I mean. Yeah, right? France, Germany. Yeah, something like Germany, for example. Yeah, that, it's very strong within Europe, but outside of Europe, it really doesn't have much influence. Uh, if that happens to the United States, it's going to be very interesting to study the international relationships between North America and South America and Central America, because yeah. all of its attention will fall back into this continent, right? And that will be like challenging for a lot of people, uh, for a lot of groups, especially because, well, you're not going to be very clear on, on what to do anymore. Like, I think something that we will see in that case will be a lot more American interventionism again, like back in the Cold War, but now more in the kind of intention of cementing their power regionally. Yeah, because um, they won't have as much to do um, abroad. So much, yeah. they have to consolidate power regionally. They have to keep trade going. So, yeah, it will definitely be interesting. And also we got the uh, commemoration of, not when, I don't know if commemoration, but anniversary. I don't know how to, how to, yeah, the, how to the, English. Remembrance. Yeah, the remembrance, that, that thing. Because I know these both words that I was using before, yeah. they're more like a celebratory. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I, I always, like every single time I talked about September 11th, I'm always very careful with the word that I'm going to use to describe the celebration because remembrance, that's the word that I have to memorize. Yeah, like the remembrance of September 11th. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we had that. And, and people were like just going at Joe Biden, like very intensely. And, and I heard that Trump was doing actually really well in polls right now because he's acting very civic in a, in a very civilized manner. And he's like supporting a lot of the first responders and stuff. So, yeah, it's quite interesting to see a yeah. possible return of Donald Trump. Um, I don't know much about what's going on with Trump, but I, yeah, I have heard that Trump is, is Trumping. Yeah, there is still, he still has a lot of support among the base. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't think anyone can count him out yet. Yeah. And, and how, how incredibly classic of Trump would it be? To win again, you know, like to be like, yay, I'm president again, and I'm going to fix everything that Joe Biden did wrong, kind of thing, you know. It's just like, oh, um, so yeah, I could see that coming, you know. Yeah, that Donald Trump appeared, but this time he will not run against Biden. He will run against Kamala Harris, maybe. Who yeah, knows? Probably Kamala Harris. Yeah, Kamala Harris has been like almost non-existent uh, during the Afghan kind of thing, like the Afghan crisis. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember the last time I heard news about her. Um, you know, exactly, like, yeah. That, that's exactly what I meant. The last the, time I heard about her, she was doing the a border. round trip. Yeah, because of the border, she was doing yeah. a round trip in Latin yeah, America. <laughs> and everybody was bashing her. Yo, yeah, like, uh, I, here's yo, what I was going to ask you about Mexican politics, though, because... Um, oh, for this. Okay, what were you uh, ask? See, Last month, like almost a month ago, um, Mexico celebrated the 500 years after the fall of Tenochtitlan. And, uh, yes. Um, you were and, about <laughs> Yeah. So I saw that there was like, there were some the people that were like, they were more, more celebrating um, yeah. the event. Others were being more critical and, you know, it's something that shouldn't be celebrated because there was the destruction of indigenous peoples and, and then um, there was um, Amlo. He, I, I read that he apologized for the crimes against the indigenous people in behalf of, of the Mexicans. Yeah, uh, look, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I was just wondering, like, what do you think most Mexicans feel about it? Because, you know, what I've, I've been hearing a lot of different things. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, I know, I know how. It makes sense to me, but I, I don't know what people over there are ta- are thinking. All right. So I don't know you heard that there was this um, right-wing party from Spain called Vox. Yeah. I actually posted something on Twitter, something along the lines. It has been like, a hundred, a hundred, like 500, 500 years since the Spanish liberated the, Mexi- the indigenous people from the Mexica <laughs> tyranny or something. Yeah, like that's what he that's what they said. And then there was a bunch of other people commenting on that and saying like, because I don't know you heard, but they were removing a Cristobal Colon statue. Yeah, yeah that's another thing that I was gonna mention. Um, in Mexico City, they removed the statue of Columbus. They moved it to another yeah. place. Yeah, and they're they are um, they're replacing it with the Olmec. Oh. Yeah, like an Olmec figure. So. And there were a lot of Spanish people saying, like, yo, why are you doing that? So and so, like, why are you going to replace it with like a murderous, cannibalistic kind of individual, whatever? And this is, this is the thing, though, about Mexicans. Many didn't actually care. <laughs> we were at the very end of the day, it was just like 500 years of what? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it's I- a very sad situation because I don't know if we talked about this before did did I discuss it with some other people that we don't really have a sense of nationalism encrusted in us based in our cultural heritage we have a sense of nationalism that it's more related to sports and to more current events you know yeah Uh, yeah, like, for example, Mexico will be very united if tomorrow we have a really hard earthquake. But all Mexicans will rally behind whatever leader, and, like, we will be very worried about being about other Mexicans and so on. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, but, like, September, we call it the month of the country, right? Yeah. Uh, or the month, kind of like the month of the motherland. That would be an adequate translation. But um, 
But in a few days, it's going to be um, Independence Day, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I want you to really like for those of you that do not know, like you will by me saying this, you will imagine that Mexico will be filled with like Mexican flags, and everybody will be like, "Yay, Mexico!" and whatever, and everybody will be very Mexican during this month, right? But I've been walking around. I've been seeing some flags, but honestly, like nobody is really uh, investing their time on celebrating anything. We're just like, Meh, right? Like, and, and that is very interesting because then he's telling you a little bit about, well, what's going on with Mexico, right? Like, uh, do they care about the move Cristobal Colón? Nah, not really. Like, polit- political elites in Mexico have moved away from pursuing a nationalistic ideal because that's kind of like a failed project. It didn't actually, it didn't actually bear the fruits that a lot of politicians back in the day thought it would, right? Especially with these new generations. If it was difficult before, it is more difficult now. Um, I think a lot more Mexicans, I would even say that it's something similar to China in the sense that the Chinese people, even though they're proud of being Chinese, they're really more interested in becoming a lot more capitalistic, not like getting a lot more wealth and experiencing a, a better life in terms of economics. I think that's pretty much what's going on with Mexico in the sense of don't tell me to celebrate Mexico. Tell me to, I don't know, tell me that you offer me a better job or something, like a better job experience or something that I can sustain my family better with, right? So I honestly think like that's kind of, the the direction all these things were taking, or at least how people perceive it. Because now, if you think about um, what is all these um, declarations or all these comments from other people around the world, it's like Mexicans didn't actually care. We were just like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, because who were saying that were the Spaniards. And honestly, like we don't tend to believe that the Spanish know really a lot about Mexico. There is a lot of um, cultural things that have to do with Mexico, but Mexico has morphed into their own, into its own thing, you know? Like, because we could refer to a lot of Spanish things that are present still in Mexico today. But at the very end of the day, it's just like Mexicans do not feel Spanish, right? It's not something like Canada. Like, you know, Canada has... Like, as far as I remember, obviously, Canada has a certain degree of, we used to be English kind of thing. Yeah, there's still, there's still a lot of English heritage. And in Quebec, you know, it's, yeah, French heritage is still emphasized a lot. Exactly. So that doesn't happen here in Mexico. You will not meet people saying, yeah, we're Spanish, right? People will not really care about that. Uh, so again it is a very interesting thing because then you say well yes the 500 fall of the Nostradamus 500 years of fall of the Nostradamus once more Mexicans are not uh, Mexicas you know it's sad to say it exactly. and it's hard for some people to accept it but yeah. let us be honest like what do I have in common with a Mexica warrior nothing right perhaps the skin color, but that would be it. Because if yeah. you go into more like in-depth kind of things, I have a beard. They used to not be able to grow like a really big beard. So I become a lot more Spanish in a sense. Yeah, so See, yeah it's, but, it's quite an interesting thing. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? Because um, most Mexicans, they don't have um, that ancestral relationship to the Mexica. Um, yes, you know, and at the same time, um, a lot of them have an ancestral connection to Spain, but they're not culturally related to Spain as much. Yes, of course. So it's yeah, kind of yeah. like they're they're in the middle doing their own thing. I, I don't know how much our listeners may be familiar with the process of colonization. Um but something that happens to a lot of colonies at the very end of the day is um, colonies tend to have a, a personality crisis at the very end of the colonization process. And one of the reasons why they have this 
personality crisis is because they become a mixture of everything else that went through them and they stop being what they were originally. So for example, in the case of Mexicans, well, we don't speak the language anymore. We don't speak Mexican. We speak Spanish, but our own little Spanish. So it's kind of, it's known in some circles as Mexican, right? Uh, in terms of history, well, we do know about history, but mostly the history that we know is, uh, at least the, the one that started school, it started being taught um, almost exclusively from the colonies. We don't learn any any history from, um, what's the name? From Spain, right? Like, for example, one of the things that we don't know about, like we really like the Virgin of Guadalupe, but most Mexicans do not know that it comes from a, from a place known as Guadalupe in Spain, in right? So that's a very interesting thing, right? So when you ask me about my reaction, honestly, like, I, I honestly believe that a lot of Mexicans are just like, well, um, that happened. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we never managed to actually be very nationalistic about the Mexica, mostly because we don't know a lot about them. I, I don't know if you know, but um, archaeologically speaking, we're still discovering a lot of things. Yeah, no, there I is, saw that. Yeah, there's plenty of things that are just still uh, completely unknown. So that's another fact, right? Like, how can you be proud of something you know very little? Um but then again, yeah, it tends to happen a lot for people that really like the Vikings and stuff. It's a weird thing. Like, honestly, eh, right? Um, if, if you want to talk a little bit more about this, I actually bought a magazine. <laughs> I bought a National Geographic archaeological number. Like, I don't know if you know, but National Geographic gets these archaeological, like, uh, publications. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah, they're really, really good. And sometimes they get, like, for example, the first one that I got was... Uh, Tikal and what's this other? What's the Mayan city that is here in Mexico? I completely forgot. The, um, there's a lot. <laughs> Chichen Itza. Yeah, no, yes, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. But like Chichen Itza and Tikal. Yeah. yeah, those were like the two in that number. And then I got another one that it's um, Teotihuacan and Machu Picchu. So they're really good. Like I have to say, like they're doing a really good job. But I'm getting more informed, you know, like about these topics, mostly because I know that I don't know. But a lot of people are just like, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so it's quite interesting. Now, since, yeah. since we were talking about legacy, um, I, I think one of the first topics that we ever discussed was hip hop. Um, there is something coming up for Tupac, isn't it? Yeah, on the 13th, it's going to be um, 25 years since Tupac died. Um, you know, in 1996. Um, 1996, wow. Yeah, it's been a long time. And yeah, um, you know, I think we became friends because, you know, we started discussing hip hop and we found that we both liked, we both liked Eminem and we both liked Tupac. Like those were Thank the you, major connection points. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't like Tupac? Um, <laughs> there's people that does not like Tupac. Um, he, he, he was a very complex individual. And at the very same time, a very simple one. Wouldn't you agree? Like, he was complex in the sense that he showed his humanity. And that's sometimes what I take from him. That he was like, I'm a human being. This is the things I like. This is the things I don't like. This is the things that I'm happy with. This is the things that upset me. Here we go. And just like deal with it, right? Like, so, and he did it in a very creative manner. Um, obviously through hip hop and whatever, but he also had like poetry. He wrote a, he wrote a play, isn't it? Didn't he? He wrote a lot of stuff. Um, uh, plays. Um, he was writing a screenplay. Um, you know, he, yeah, he wrote poetry, um, hundreds and hundreds of songs. A lot Did of them. Did he ever that, write any, any political discourse? Uh, no, but he did give like some political speeches, right? I mean, I guess the yeah. most political thing was the, uh, the loss of thug life. If the loss? Oh, I didn't know about the loss. Yeah, you remember those, the loss of thug life. It's oh, like, okay, okay. Sorry, I, I heard of something else. Yeah, it's, it's like right. so that was the 
It's like 25 rules um, yeah. Yeah, you for gang members. I remember. I, and that's interesting because I, I wouldn't say it's much, it's very political. I will go more for, it is a little bit more like moral, ethical, you know? And this is important for people listening to us. Uh, morality no, does not necessarily mean something good. It means a way of thinking, right? Ethics is the field that studies morality. Uh, morality, for example, could be that eating people is fine, <laughs> and that will be fine for that specific group. So morally speaking, it will be adequate or respectable to eat somebody, right? Uh, that's why I would say that Tupac's uh, laws will be a lot more moralistic. That will be a lot more philosophical in that sense. He was a very philosophical mind. Um, you watch that interview that he gave, well, he gave a bunch, I'm sure, but like he, got, he was wearing like this yellow T-shirt. He was in jail, I think, during that time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he gave this interview where he was like reflecting on what jail does to the, to the creative mind and like some of the things that he was just going through. And like, I, that was the time that I thought like, he's very philosophical. Like he would have been amazing with a philosophical education. He will have been a great, uh, I, I, I think he will have been a great um, African-American philosopher. If he yeah, had well, quite a lot more. Yeah, well, he was influenced by the Black Panthers and you know, influenced by people like Malcolm X, MLK, uh, Fred Hampton, uh, you know, other philosophical writers like Machiavelli. Um, Tupac Amaru Shakur, because he also got ex uh, influenced by the, the figure. That's one of the reasons why he. Yeah, yeah, the, you know, the Incan revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, king. Um, yeah. Um, he was uh, well. He was well read also, because every single time someone was interviewing him, I heard that he was saying something like, Oh, I'm reading this book and that book. And I'm, I'm like, all right, good job for him. And like, that's another thing about Tupac that I found interesting because he was like, and then one thing that I found, find, I don't know how to say it, uh, very fresh on him. And, and, I, and I think it's a thing that I have grown to reflect a little bit. The fact that he was like, yeah, I'm reading Machiavelli. I'm reading uh, this other philosopher. I'm like doing this social thing. And then I don't know where I'm just getting drunk with a bottle of Hennessy. <laughs> I'm just going all crazy dressed up, like wearing a wig and dancing and just like chilling with people. You know, like living in this kind of extremes kind of thing of being like, this is me serious. This is me just chilling. I'm not trying to sell you like an image of, what a rapper is supposed to be because that wasn't even his gig, right? Like he was not trying to be like the archetype of a rapper. He was just a dude that could actually rap really well. Yeah. How I see it is that in the beginning, um, he was hoping to use hip hop as a venue to spread awareness and political, like yeah. especially political awareness. Um, because if you listen to a lot of his raps, like his first Very, two albums, yeah. especially like a lot, a lot of the songs there are social. social yeah, they have some political. social. Elements. Yeah. Um, as things uh, progressed and he became a bigger star that started evolving into like more entertainment. Yeah. It was a little bit like, um, now, I wouldn't say that he was getting like lost in the wealth because that was not the case. Like you could actually see that he was getting depressed. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if that's a word, uh, but he was getting a lot more depressed. I think that's the better way of saying it uh, as time went on. Right? Yeah, I agree. Like, well, you can actually map. He was getting his, frustrated. Yeah, you can actually map his like different, the different stages of his thought, right? So like yeah. uh, from like, 1989 to 1992 um you know he was really socially conscious um he was like he was still had that black panther mindset um yeah. he had like a revolutionary spirit and like though that's those are the core years for that then after 1993 he moves into the thug life stage yeah. so um, Dogg came into his life <laughs> Yeah, um, and you know he, he becomes more focused on the streets and the gang life, um, the criminality. 
you know, in the, in the black community. And that's when he wrote, um, America's most uh, wanted. Well, no, the, the code of thug life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then after, um, in 1994, that's when he got shot and he felt betrayed. Um, he thought he was out there representing, um, the hood and it was the hood that turned on him and, you know, tried to kill him. So that's when he joined death row. He changed from thug life to more like a mob gangster. He wanted to be the boss. He wanted to feel safe again. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, yeah. Like that's when a lot of the paranoia started happening. Um <laughs> That's when his beef with Big started because, you know, he felt betrayed. Um, he felt like he was in Big City, uh, you know, because Big was claiming to be the king of New York. Um, yeah. you know, so it was his city, but, you know, he still couldn't trust, um, you know, someone that was a really good friend of his um, in his city. And he started beefing with a lot of people. Because, you know, he felt like he was being attacked by everybody. Um, that last stage, um, which lasted until he died, it was already changing um, near the end with Machiavelli. Um, if you listen to that album, it's more, um, it's not so yeah. much gangster, it's more like philosophical. Again, yeah, because I think, and, and, that, and that, that's another thing about Tupac, and one of the reasons why a lot of people still talk about him. Um and people will for a long time because he went through the stages, you know, like he, he really reflected in a way how someone can come into a thing very optimistic, find out that you're misreading the situation or perhaps not um, dealing with, with events as they come in a very good manner and they're just messing everything up. And then, going into just a rage, right? Like in a way of just like, I have to gain control of this again of whatever it was that I was doing. And then he goes back, back to chilling once he settles down and he sees like, well, this is not the way, but uh, as we already may know, once you make such a big mess of things and you startle everything, like it's very difficult to get out of it alive. Um, it's very difficult to get out of it safe even, like forget about like getting killed or anything. It's more of, there is always going to be some kind of a scar that you're gonna get, right? From any crisis that you go through. So that's very interesting about Tupac. Um, yeah, his music is quite interesting. Like uh, it, it's hilarious to, to always say like, well, I like Tupac, but um, everybody just looks at you like, as they, they expect you to explain a little bit more because Actually, a fair question will be like, "What Tupac? <laughs> do you like? Yeah, do you like the gangster Tupac? Yeah, yeah. like you know, <laughs> do you like something Tupac? like Brenda has a baby, or no? Do you like something like Toss It Up? <laughs> Very much, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like or, hit them up, or yeah, hit them up. Um, <laughs> or like, what was the other one? Get a gospel, for example. Like this completely or, different you know, tunes, right? Like they got no relation yeah. to each other. Yeah. So. um <laughs> Heat him up, yeah, um, yeah, and he was like, he was. Did, did I ever tell you that I got his book? Which one? Oh, good one there. Uh, the rose that grew in the concrete. I got the poetry. Yeah, book. you had it when you were here. Yeah, I yeah, got yeah. the same one too. It was really cheap, and I saw it. And I was like, yay! Back in you the know, day, I was listening to him a lot more. Yeah, so it, I got it's it, like I, um, there's a lot of uh, it's. So the book is um, basically a collection of poems, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's like dozens of poems that he wrote throughout his lifetime. Um, some from when he was in high school still, you know, other ones, you know, in the last yeah. years. And there's a picture, there's a picture of him in each of the chapters, if we could yeah. call them that, because they divided the book on stages of his life. So it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's um see and, and that's another aspect uh I like about Tupac because it's a uh, um a lot of his if you just read the lyrics without without the music, 
you realize that, you know, he's basically writing poems yeah. and just finding a rhythm to make them into rap song. And, and also, like, he has such a distinctive way of speaking that even if he read them to you, <laughs> it sounded like he was rapping in a way. Yeah, because but he was just, like, giving poetry, like, it almost has like that um, Baptist preacher. Um, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Sound, yeah. The rhythm of the of the preacher, and that's another very interesting about thing about him. Like even when he was giving speech, he had a rhythm to him. So, because he was also very influenced by world. so it's quite interesting to see that he was kind of like bred into becoming a thinker. Did he chose hip hop to be his method of his way of expression? Yes, he did so. But at the very end of the day, he was bred to be a thinker, to be someone that really thinks about things. Uh, something that I feel that has been lost a little bit on hip hop, which there is not a lot of philosophers in hip hop. There's more like gangsters telling their stories, which is valid, right? At the very end of the day, like, it's yeah. art, but philosophers is hard to find, um, which is something that we tell a lot more about Tupac. Um, what was this other song? There is one, the Ghetto Gospel, and there's another one that is very similar Angels. to it. Yeah, that one, for example. It's, it's interesting to, to hear it. Like, you're not listening to a, a, an individual just telling you what they went through. You're listening to a narrative of a circumstance and a call to change, right? So it's quite interesting. His poetry is also very interesting because he follows that kind of rhythm. Even though he's talking about his own experience, he's also saying like, this is not, I'm not just like letting go in this poem. I'm, I'm actually telling you what happened. So you get some kind of moral uh, teaching out of it. It's quite interesting. Yeah, and there's always that argument about who's the greatest of all time. Um, everyone has the ranking, and uh, Pac is an obvious nominee, an obvious mention. And, yeah, and obviously, everybody knows that it's Flava Lap. <laughs> 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 Hands down. <laughs> has the best style. <laughs> Flava Lap. <laughs> yeah, Flava gets a lot of respect. But um, it's important that Tupac has a lot of relevance still. Like people are still talking about him. Like it's, he's not like, you know, there's other great rappers. They're just not as relevant today, even if, even though they're still alive. Um, but yeah, for Tupac, there's always like, someone's always. Um, bring, him, bring him up. Yeah, talking about right? him. There's always documentaries. Um, Don't you feel that what is... Because even Biggie suffers of this kind of phenomenon too, right? Because it's almost like you talk about Tupac, you talk about Biggie, and um, I'm about to do it, right? Like, <laughs> wouldn't you think that Tupac and Biggie and like some of these rappers are things that other generations passed down through the younger generations. And I don't mean it, and I don't mean it just like, yo, listen to this song, right? I think that when someone tries to tell you, yo, listen to Tupac, they're not just simply telling you, just listen to this song. They're actually kind of advocating on, this is really good, this is deeper, this has like a lot more uh, impact that you could expect, um, whatever. Like they, they argue in favor of Tupac, you know what I mean? More, more from from the sense of this is different kind of this is a different kind of music that when we're used to, and they just present at least when I heard about Tupac, he was presented to me in that way, right? And every single time I talk about Tupac to all the kids, I'm like, yeah, whatever, like you may like whoever, but listen to this because it's different, right? Like I don't know what you think about that. See, um, I agree, but now I think it's harder because like like everyone knows Pac's history. Um, everyone has heard the hits because like I said, he's everywhere. Um, but a lot of people are still not going to have that context. Um, they're not going to be able to 
un- like see that evolution that I was talking about. And even for us, like, you know, I was six years old when Pac died. Um, it's a lot of it is trying to reconstruct um, what the scene was at the time. No, you can only do that to to a degree. Um, like part of the fun of um, being a fan is that that you get to experience an artist in real time. Um, you know, with Tupac, it's kind of like watching an old classic. You know, like very much, yeah, like The Godfather. Right? Yeah, like it's like you have to watch The Godfather um, if you're a movie fan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you I know, think, it, yeah, I, I think you describe it rather well. Yeah, it's like where the Godfather is. Even as good as it is, it's still not gonna be as like there's not gonna be as much as um interaction with it as there is with yeah. the latest Marvel film. Of course, yeah. Because you know you're looking at something that came from another generation. It's not you know it doesn't really belong to you so i think that's why there's a lot of disconnect yeah yeah i do agree it's quite interesting to to sort of reflect a little bit on this guy because Um, there's also like so many myths about him yes yeah like part of what why he's relevant is because there's like a giant mythology around him as well we already talked about um his you you just said he was like bred to be this um philosophical yeah um kind of leader within you know, the black community um, because, yeah. you know, his parents were black Panthers. They have a pedigree of revolutionary thinking. So there's that, but then there's also his rise to um, stardom, you know, within hip hop. And, you know, he was also becoming a movie star. Um, you know, he became involved He in the West coast, East coast war with Biggie, who is another legendary figure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like hip hop during that time. Yeah, was the legendary kind of uh, tale of hip hop. You know what I mean? Like the 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 Gilgamesh and I don't remember Imunu. I think that was the name of the other one. Kind of kind of beef. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. historical moment in hip hop. You know, you have these two rappers who you know are thought to be the greatest of all time. They they start as friends, but then they turned and you know they go to war against each other. And then of course, um, Tupac signs into you know this legendary and uh, uh, who's a producer is Suge Knight, who is also this like gangster. Yeah, he has a reputation. Too. Yeah, he's yeah, a exactly. gangster boss. They go to war. He dies. Uh, when he's only 25. Um, yeah, that's crazy, right? Yeah, like his whole career is condensed, you know, in four or five years. Um, yeah, everything after, that we just said, four or yeah, five years. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, you know, there's the, the mythology starts um, evolving. Right away, you have people saying Tupac's not really dead. Yeah. And people are claiming that, you know, they've seen Tupac alive. And there's all this conspiracy theories. Who shot, who killed uh, Tupac? Was it Sugar Knight? You know, was it Biggie? Was it the FBI? Uh, was it the Israeli government? Um, there's all these other theories, you know, Tupac faked his death. Like you said in the beginning, you know, it's, you know, 25 years and we're still waiting um, for Tupac yeah. to return. Um, it, it, of, it almost becomes like a small religion around. Yeah, him, right? I mean, it's part of that. Very interesting. Like, that's why it's also been relevant because it's gone beyond hip hop and it's more it's spread into the culture, right? So, you know, even a few years ago when there was the the hologram of Tupac, you know, yes, that was yes, massive. And that yeah. was kind of like playing on that um, on that myth of Tupac resurrecting, right? Yeah, um, that everybody's conscious about. And that's very interesting because everybody on like the rap community, people that you guys listen to, right? Like our listeners, People that you guys listen to know about Tupac, know the myths, right? Like, it's almost impossible to really approach someone and be like, especially if you're a famous rapper, and be like, do you know who Tupac is? And they will say, like, no. Be like, what? <laughs> like, what are you doing in this business? <laughs> uh, and obviously, it becomes massive to see holograms or anything. And like, I remember, what is it, like, almost 10 years ago, 
people are still showing videos of Tupac coming back and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you still see those videos they, on on YouTube. Yeah, they, right? they like, find him in Puerto Rico or stuff. Yeah, it's like they're filming him like going to parties and stuff like that. Um, yeah. it's almost like searching for Bigfoot. You know, it's like he's over there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he's over there. Yeah, pretty much. But that is Tupac for you guys. Um, quite an influential figure in hip hop, honestly. And he has an influence too, but I, I will be honest with you guys, uh, and with you men, like I have distanced myself from hip hop a lot, so I don't know exactly what's new. Um, recently, I heard about this guy Mark, Mark something. Um, he has like this funky style to him, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what has been going on. Who's, who's like, who's big, who's not, who's doing well, who's, who's not doing well. Yeah, um, so I don't know what the influence of Tupac may be as perceived the new newer rappers as it was almost after he died because he he's among the rappers the responsible of catalyzing that gangster look to hip hop, right? Like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like everybody wanted to be a top, you know? Yeah, like you know, everyone that came after is conscious of Tupac's image. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I also don't listen as much to like the newer up and coming artists, but like what does get to me, you know, I still hear a lot of respect for Pac, right? So like a few exactly. years ago, Kendrick Lamar, who's a Compton rapper, he probably the best album of the last decade, um, you know, was influenced a lot by Tupac and the last, the last track um, is basically Kendrick Lamar doing an interview with Tupac. Um, he used, oh, wow. yeah, so he used uh, an interview that Tupac recorded um, while he was in prison, I think. And he inserted himself and as he was asking the questions. So, yeah, it was really cool. Um, you know, sometimes I, I'll hear references to Tupac uh, from other artists um, recently, like, in the last month, Nas, you know, he made a new album. Um, and mm -hmm. there's one track that's dedicated basically to Tupac. It's called um, Death Row East. Um, oh, wow. That's what I was saying. Like, he's still a figure that is always present in, in hip hop, even if he's not being played in the radio. He's still. Yeah, he's like, become something of a, uh, how do you call that? That's like an object of personal worship. He's like the ghost of hip hop, you know. He's he's like he, I was touched yeah. by Tupac, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like um, <laughs> yeah, like, and, 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 and that is very interesting to to also observe that Tupac was not clueless about these kind of semi-divine styles that he was acquiring. Uh, there was this video where he resurrects and he he, he started feeding up. That, that's one of the reasons why uh, there's a lot of people that thought that he was coming back. He started feeding up this idea of if I die, I will resurrect, I will come back. Yeah, You know, well, like when, when he says, expect me, like you expect Jesus to come back. Like very profane, but very interesting to a mythology that he's building. Yeah, see, when he, in his last few, in his last year specifically, you know, he started yeah. becoming more paranoid and more isolated. Um, and if you listen to, a, there's a lot of interviews with um, people that knew him and other artists in death row, you know, and they, they, like, they talk about Tupac, like he was prophesying his death. Yeah, pretty um, much. You know, there's some evidence of that. Like, you know, there's the video, oh, um, I ain't mad at ya, right? In the video, yeah. Tupac gets shot. You know, there's several songs that make references to his death. Um, being killed by the Illuminati and yeah in this last album there's like it's very explicit one of the first songs is Hail Mary right and that's a very it's, it's almost like a prophetic song on itself and of course the the album artwork um, it's Tupac being crucified yeah um, I remember that yeah um, so yeah there is a lot of that imagery that I, I don't think it was Tupac himself like creating the myth. I, I just no, he was just developing it. Maybe well, unconsciously. Yeah, perhaps unconsciously. Um I think I think he was just like 
that was a way like of making sense of what he thought his role was because he said several times like he didn't think he would live long like he he felt yeah. like death was coming it's always that dilemma right is it like is it something that is um destined to be or is it like the person creating their own um self-fulfilling prophecy yeah and that's like a big maybe right a lot of people will say that um he was way too chaotic for that kind of life he was not discreet at all so so yeah who knows but that's too bad for you guys um a little bit of what we reflect on him and it <laughs> it feels only almost solemnly that we talked about tupac uh, because he's quite a figure right like uh If you, if, if anybody gets to think about how many people are actually living a legacy that it's, that it's recent, well, Tupac is among those people. Uh, he's living a legacy within hip hop and like the black community mostly, but it's a legacy nonetheless. And that is not something easy to appreciate or to find out anywhere else. Yeah. Especially for someone who died when they were 25, right? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like people are still thinking about him 25 years after his death. Yeah. And perhaps people will a lot more years after, right? Yeah. I, I don't see his um, influence or his figure um, disappearing anytime soon. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing that today we, will, we could call it a day for today since we talk about Tupac and a little bit about regular topics. Maybe next episode we'll be able to talk about uh, some other artists, uh, perhaps Biggie even. But <laughs> Biggie is not being celebrated yet. So in a few or maybe months. something else. Who knows? Yeah, in a few months. In March. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that will be it for my part. Yeah, take right. care, everyone. Yeah. And thank you for listening to us. Yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.